0: listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. This is our 10-minute mystery edition, a little slice of intrigue in the middle of your week. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our storyteller and journalist, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. It's been a while since we explored the mystery behind a place name, so I've got a good one for you today. In Franklin Township, outside Kent, Ohio, there's a body of water called Brady's Lake. It's in an area that used to be the village of Brady Lake. Next door in the city of Kent, there's a Brady's Leap Park. And on the Ohio Turnpike, about 12 miles from all of this, there's a very nice stop called the Brady's Leap Service Plaza. It's at mile marker 197. The one-time village, the lake, the park, and the Turnpike Plaza are named for the same man and they offer a hint at the act that made him a frontier legend. Here's the story of Captain Samuel Brady, Northeast Ohio's version of Daniel Boone, and the daring escape that is said to have left his pursuing Indian captors stunned and speechless. Samuel Brady was born in 1756, a descendant of Irish immigrants, and he spent his boyhood in western Pennsylvania, at a time when western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan were probably the most dangerous places to be living in North America. First, they were in the middle of the French and Indian War. That was an ongoing struggle between the French and the British to expand their American territory. The British at this time controlled the colonies to the east, as you know. The French were in modern-day Canada, and the Ohio Valley was right between them. They both wanted it. Now, most Indians in the area sided with the French, and the French encouraged them to terrorize the settlers by attacking and scalping entire families. These Indian raids were quite common, and the Bradys moved right into the thick of it when they settled in western Pennsylvania. John Brady joined the local forces in continually battling the marauders. Now, John Brady and his wife would eventually have 13 kids. Samuel was the oldest. When he was just seven years old, the French and Indian War officially ended, with Britain winning, but there was no peace, because right after that struggle came Pontiac's War, where Ottawa Chief Pontiac rallied Indian tribes to keep pushing back against the settlers. It was at this time that Samuel's dad, John, was commissioned a captain in the Pennsylvania regiments to fight Chief Pontiac, not only in Pennsylvania, but in Ohio and Michigan. And then the revolution broke out, and a 19-year-old Samuel Brady was right there at the start of the battle for American independence. His dad, John, took him and his younger brother, James, with him, to fight in the trenches with General George Washington at the Battle of Boston, the very first major battle of the Revolutionary War. The captain, to which Samuel was assigned, sought to make him an officer right away, but John Brady said, no, no, let him first learn the duty of a soldier, and then he will know how to act as an officer. Growing up in Indian country, Samuel was so used to hardship and being in such a state of alertness and expectation of attack. Many years later, the captain he would serve under would recall a story on how the two of them were once sitting on a fence viewing a British defense works, when suddenly a cannonball struck the fence under them, throwing them to the ground. Samuel was the first to jump up he caught his captain up in his arms and raised him, then very calmly said, We are not hurt, Captain. It was that kind of coolness and courage that really set Samuel apart. Samuel Brady went on to fight in the Battle of New York, the Battle of Trenton, the Battle of Princeton, and the Battle of Brandywine Creek, where his father was shot in the mouth but survived, and was sent home to western Pennsylvania, where Captain John Brady continued doing what he had done for years joining local forces to fight off the indian raiders meanwhile back of the revolution samuel brady was promoted to lieutenant and then captain and he distinguished himself with an act that revealed an extraordinary skill he was involved in a conflict It was called the Paoli Massacre. It was in Chester County, Pennsylvania. The British had just killed some 200 colonials and executed another 50 after the battle was over. They also had a pen full of prisoners. Samuel Brady escaped it, then went back and helped others to freedom. When the British caught him in the act of helping these POWs escape, They pursued him, and to get away, he had to make a giant leap across a deep enclosure. An account of this effort by a 19th century history writer named Bell Swope said this, The chasm was so wide that from his remarkable leap, he was called the jumper. The British were so close to him that as he jumped across a fence, they impeded his progress by pinning with bayonets his blanket coat to the rails. He tore himself free, shot a cavalryman who was close to him, ran to a swamp, and joined the army in the morning. Samuel went on to participate in the Battle of Germantown, and even in the winter of 1777, when George Washington was at Valley Forge. There he was with an encampment that suffered so greatly They lost up to 2,000 men to disease, malnutrition, and the bitter cold. Then Samuel was on his way back home. In the spring of 1778, in the midst of the Revolution, George Washington sent the Pennsylvania Regiment on a new assignment. Go back to the Ohio country and defend it against the Indians that had allied with the British and were still wiping out the settlers. Samuel Brady went with them and became a scout. Now, Samuel had grown up watching friends and neighbors killed in Indian raids, so he certainly was already motivated to do this job. But his zeal for killing Indians was going to grow to reach a very personal level in the next few months. First came the death of his brother James. That fall of 1778, James had gone with three militiamen, to serve as protectors to a Pennsylvania farmer who was transporting crops to an army fort. They encamped one night, and in the early morning fog, the Indians attacked. It was said all the other militiamen fled, but James Brady grabbed his rifle and prepared to fight. He managed to kill two Indians before they got him, struck him in the head with a tomahawk, and scalped him of his long red hair. Incredibly, He survived long enough to make it to a cabin and from there be transported home where his mother Mary cared for him for a few days until he died. Captain Samuel Brady swore he would avenge his brother's death. Very soon, he would have yet another death to avenge. Two weeks after James' death, his father, Captain John Brady, having recovered from his own injuries at the Battle of Brandywine Creek, sent his family to live at Fort Muncie to keep them safe, and returned himself to active duty. A few months later, that spring, John Brady was with a small military group protecting a wagon of supplies when he was killed in an ambush. It happened in a flash. The Indians revealed themselves, shot him dead, and fled, seemingly targeting him in particular because of his reputation as an Indian fighter. Reportedly, when this news reached Samuel Brady, he raised his hand and vowed, aided by him who formed yonder sun in heaven, I will avenge the murder of my father, nor while I live will I ever be at peace with the Indians of any tribe. And oh, did he make good on that promise. Samuel spent years as an Indian scout doing everything he could to defend settlers and battle marauders, even spying on Indian activities in ways no other white man would dare. He also rescued settlers who were kidnapped and enslaved by the Indians. There's a story from 1779 that resulted in a section of the Allegheny River being named Brady's Bend. It was there Samuel had gone to retrieve two children who had been taken from a mother who had been killed in a raid. Samuel and an Indian guide were alone when they found the kidnappers in an encampment along the river. So they settled in and waited. The guide said, They will sleep by that fire tonight. Yes, replied Samuel, and I will awake them in a voice of thunder come morning. That morning an old chief rose and went to stir the fire then dropped dead in the flame courtesy a shot from samuel's musket when all was said and done eight indians were dead and relieved of their scalps and the children were rescued so now we come to the legend that caused a village a lake a park and a turnpike rest stop to take brady's name it was 1780 and the Indians had caught up to the scout that had been terrorizing them for years. Samuel Brady and a group of rangers were after a band of Sandusky Indians who were centered around Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and conducting murderous raids of area settlers. Brady's rangers, as they were called, tracked the Indians to present-day Portage County. At first, they had success, killing most of the Indians— But they didn't know that a larger force was on its way, and soon they were surrounded. Samuel and his rangers were outnumbered. Most of Samuel's men were killed. A few escaped. But the Indians wanted a painful death for the man who had terrorized them for years. They built a slow-burning flame beneath the stake to which Samuel Brady was tied. His death would come slowly and excruciatingly while Indians from near and far traveled to witness it and celebrate. History can't know exactly how it happened. Some accounts say there were so many Indians coming to watch the execution that the party-type atmosphere distracted them. And it was in this lack of vigilance that Samuel Brady was able to break his bonds and flee. He was naked, having been stripped of his clothing. He grabbed the wife of a chief that was present and threw her into the fire that was meant for him. I found one newspaper account from the early 1800s who said it was actually the woman's baby that he grabbed and tossed into the fire. Either way, chaos ensued, and Brady was able to put some distance between him and his pursuers. His flight took him to the Cuyahoga River, inside the city limits of present-day Kent, Ohio. And there, he faced a 22-foot-wide gorge. He really had no other choice. He ran and leaped across the broad expanse and was able to reach the edge of the other side where he grabbed roots and underbrush and hauled himself up to continue his escape. Some accounts say the Indians were so astonished that he'd made that leap, they failed to act right away, which is why Samuel had those few precious moments to climb those roots to the ledge before the Indians started firing their rifles. Samuel was shot in the leg, but there was no time to stop. The Indians were already looking for a place in the river where they could cross, but Brady's leap had given him a hell of a head start. Samuel made it all the way to that body of water that we call Brady's Lake today. It was about a mile east of the river where he'd jumped. By now, struggling with his wounded leg, the Indians had caught up to him, probably following the trail of blood he'd left. But Samuel saw them before they saw him, and he had the opportunity to make yet another legendary decision. He crawled into the lake, really just a very large pond, and submerged himself beneath a fallen oak tree. And there he stayed all night, often completely below the surface of the water and breathing through a hollow reed. Brady could speak Indian and heard his would-be captors talking as they hovered around the fallen oak where he was. There they were discussing that he had likely drowned in the lake. Still, they waited till morning before agreeing yes. Yes. That must be what happened. Then the Indians departed, and Samuel emerged, alive, though not well, and made it to Fort McIntosh. Samuel Brady, still only in his mid-twenties at this point, never fully recovered from the ordeal. He was lame the rest of his life and lost much of his hearing, an affliction he blamed on having to stay submerged in the lake all night. In 1785, Samuel married Drusilla, the daughter of one of his commanding officers, and they settled down in West Virginia and had three children. There was an armistice that ended much of the struggle with the Indians, but Samuel continued to hunt down and kill them as the commander of his group of Brady's Rangers. By 1791, three states had put bounties on his head, including a $1,000 reward in his home state of Pennsylvania, saying some of the Indians that he had killed were merely trading goods. Samuel's friends convinced him to surrender himself to a trial in Pittsburgh. To put an end to the matter, nobody expected him to be convicted. He was beloved and a hero to settlers there. The trial was held in a bar. Jenny Swoop was a woman whom Samuel had rescued, along with her son, after they'd been kidnapped by Indians 13 years earlier, and she came to the trial to make sure everyone knew what people thought of Samuel. There's a story of how she walked up to where he sat at the defense table and made a show of plunking down a flask of brandy with his water, then took her seat with a room full of Captain Brady fans. Samuel didn't deny anything but insisted all the Indians he had killed were hostile. He produced a bunch of scalps. He laid them out on the bench and said, there they are, I killed them. The jury didn't even leave their seats to deliberate. At the close of arguments, they judged him not guilty. Captain Samuel Brady did not live to see the age of 40. He died of pleurisy an affliction of the lungs on Christmas Day in 1795. That 19th century author, Swope, she wrote about his death, and here's what she said. His life in years was short, in deeds beyond the reckoning of man. No man was a better fighter. No undertaking was too great for him, nor peril too blinding. Captain Samuel Brady of the Rangers was as tender as a woman, and few men have been as sincerely beloved and as deeply mourned. When death claimed him. For many years, Brady Lake celebrated the man with a Captain Brady festival. I think the last one was held about 15 years ago. And today, there are still those who debate parts of his story, including the leap that saved his life. Many have gone to Brady Leap Park in Kent, where there is a marker approximating where his leap took place, and they ponder it. Could a person really jump that far? Of course, we know the answer is yes. There are Olympians that have jumped nearly 30 feet after years of conditioning and training. But then they are reminded that long before the leap, Samuel Brady had already earned the nickname The Jumper. So he had already demonstrated the skill. And most conclude, yes, that there is no other explanation for why a naked man with no weapons and a gunshot wound to the leg could outrun hundreds of Indians bent on his torture and death, other than that he had indeed succeeded in the leap that made him a legend. That's it for this week's 10-Minute Mystery. We'll see you here Sunday for our next regular full-sized Ohio Mystery episode. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. May all of your mysteries have happy endings.